Welcome to the C-Suite podcast, an episode that is a little different than normal because we're recording it in front of a live audience, a, uh, a very intimate live audience, I should say, but a first for me, um, so everyone will probably find out uh, very soon why I'd never do these why things in front of an audience. Well, in fr- th- there's a reason why I, I hide behind <laughs> a, a pre-recorded uh, sort of... So why? Explain. Um, why? We're going to interview you. Yeah. This, <laughs> is, this is very, very quickly switched around. And I you did not know why we were here, did you? <laughs> I, have, I, I see what this is all about. Tell us about your childhood first. <laughs> I haven't even introduced my guest yet. Uh, why? Why? You get two uh, let, here, let, let me put my, my feet up and I'll. And I'll um, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, maybe after tonight, I'll do more of them live. We'll yes, see. We'll see. We'll do. see. Um, well, I should introduce myself. I'm Russell Goldsmith. We are here at the ICO House of PR um, at the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. He's rebranding. Which one? Ico. Can or Ico? <laughs> <laughs> I have two, I was going to say very special guests, but I think these are going to be a difficult guest uh, joining me this evening. Um, so I'm absolutely thrilled to uh, firstly welcome to the show Sir Martin Sorrell and Marion Goodall, the CEO of Burning Man Project, which we're going to hear a lot more about over the course of this chat. So Martin is actually interviewing uh, Marianne about Burning Man on stage here at the festival on Friday in the main palais. Correct. Um, so got that bit right. Um, so we are uh, honoured, obviously, that they've given up a bit of time this evening. We haven't got that much time with them, so we're going to get on uh, straight away. So it doesn't help that they've interrupted me twice already on the show. There'll be more. <laughs> um, Marianne, let's, uh, let's come to you first. Uh, for those who may not be aware, um, can you give us a little bit of history of the Burning Man and what you stand for? Oh, sure, Russell. I'd love to. Uh, I don't think people realize it was very modest beginnings to Burning Man. It started on a beach in 1986 and was really um, uh, an artistic act of self-expression from a man who was grieving from a lost love on the summer solstice. And there was probably 25, 30 people maybe. Uh, The real intention uh, of that moment I think still applies to Burning Man today, which was sort of an act um, from the self, from the heart. Um, And we grew, uh, outgrew the beach uh, by 1990. It moved to a desert in in, uh, Nevada. It started again at 80 people and we're over 70,000 people. And now we're an eight day event that creates a community in a city. And then the last part is we're now a global movement out in the world. Wow. Well, I want, to, I want to sort of quiz you a little bit more on that in, in a second. But, um, so Martin, when did you first become aware of Burning Man? And, and why were you so keen to my bring Marion? My wife is Italian. Right. And uh, she said to me, must be, well, I've been three times, uh, three times in the last four years. So it must have been about five or six or seven years ago. She said to me, we've got to go to Burning Man. So I said, fine. And I think she went... No, she, she didn't go without me. That would have been dangerous. But um, no, she, she and I went uh, four years ago. And she's done all four of the last four, I think. And I've done three of the last four. And, uh, you know, I, it was a, it was a, it's an amazing experience. Um, it is, you know, a, a, a pop-up city. Well, Marion's going to be very upset with me for saying this, but a pop-up city. Uh, you know, 80,000 people. I think the first time I went, it was 70,000 people. Mm-hmm. So it's going from that. 80,000 people get together. Uh, in the desert. Now, when you think of desert, you think of sand dunes. This is not desert. This is like a sort of salt flat, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Bureau of Land Management uh, manages it. Uh, and not not easily accessible. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can fly in. They, they have uh, uh, flights that, that fly in, but most people drive in. Um, and it, it's an effort. Uh, and you, you, you can camp there. Uh, you can be in nice camps like uh, Marion Runs. Uh, founders camp 
uh, first cam, and or you can uh, you know you, the, the the standards vary. Um, just you have to bring everything with you. And you can only you know ice you get. You can buy some coffee. I, I might go into some some interesting things that happen around the the purchase of coffee. Um, but it's 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 a unique experience. And what I was really interested in the reason I asked Marion to to do this to come to to can uh, for the can debate on Friday was that our industry is going through uh, a hell of a lot of turmoil at the moment. Um, you know, whether it be uh, Google, Facebook, or Amazon changing the, the basis. I don't think they're changing it that as much as people think, but they are changing the, w the way that we go about it. Whether it's the consultancies like uh, Deloitte's or Accenture uh, causing disruption, whether it's uh, clients taking back control, which I think it is, <coughs> and doing insourcing or uh, mixed models uh, as well as outsourcing. But um, what, what the industry has to go through is, a, is sort of creative destruction, put it that way, or creative reconstruction. And what Burning Man represents to me, and it is truly an extraordinary experience, uh, I haven't had the vim or the vigor to go through all eight days. I, I've got there usually on a Wednesday and I depart on, on the Sunday after the burn on the Saturday night of, of Burning Man. But uh, what it really represents to me is significant reconstruction and change literally it's a it's the city is created in a very short period of time Marion can go into the detail and then it is destroyed it is burnt literally burnt I mean there are parts of which get which are recycled but essentially it's a it's a creative destruction process and I think that's it's the metaphor for what I think has to happen to our industry. We have to change, radically change, in a very short period of time, you know, adapt or die. So, so on that point, you've had the opportunity to start with a clean sheet of paper. Yeah, in the yeah last so I year. don't have so any of those problems. I mean, so, so what are you doing differently Hopefully then? in a few years' time, well, uh, well, we'll have those problems, but I don't have any of the problems. So I don't have any legacy yeah. in the, in the no legacy business. So I'm yeah. not trying to move a legacy or analog business to a digital business. What we're doing is looking at where the growth is, so, I mean, it's a long story, but essentially, you know, why do companies ebb and flow or rise and fall? Is it great CEOs? No, I'm sorry to say it's not great CEOs. It's not, it's not cutting costs, thank goodness. Uh, it's about finding where the growth is. And the growth in our industry is in three areas, according to us. First-party data, so that's own data by clients and first-party data that you can lay your hands on. Digital advertising content. And then finally, programmatic. So it's a continuous loop. It's a new model. It's a different model. It's like a, an election campaign, but with no ele election date. It's reiterate. No, it's not no tentpole campaigns. There are still big ideas behind it, big creative ideas behind it, but it's not fixed TV ad campaigns. It's a continuous iterative process, um, and because it's 24/7, you have to do this in real time. You have to change the approach very much more agile much more flexible much more responsive model which is totally different and you know in a, in a way burning man is in itself is a highly flexible it changes every year i mean it's quite incredible that people create this city how long does it take to actually create it now uh, it's about a month from the point we survey it and build it and, and then, then it takes then, two weeks to take it down. And then on the Sunday, when I leave on the Sunday morning, a lot of people are leaving uh, by either on a flight out 
or more likely by, by car or camper or whatever it is. And then you have the burn of the temple on the mm-hmm. Sunday night, mm-hmm. which is, which, I mean, the temple is an amazing mm-hmm. thing. And it's now being, I'm going to use the word mimicked, it's being copied. You want, you want to explain where it's being copied in recently, in two occasions, I think? Yeah, on two different occasions. One uh, was in Ireland um, in 2015, uh, built in Londonderry, um, a city that's experienced a lot of strife uh, across religions. And it was built on a hill that we serve uh, the organization from uh, Artichoke Trust from the UK um, and David Best and a Burning Man Arts Organization uh, together worked uh, with the community, uh, taught some kids how to do some crafts, um, had the carpenters come to Burning Man and learn from David building and then sort of uh, reclaimed the story around this hill. Um, and built it with the community, um, and then visitors came for two weeks, rode on it just like we do in Black Rock City, and then burned it. And that one was a very powerful experience. And then the Bloomberg Foundation um, put some funding into another temple in Parkland, uh, which is Florida, related to uh, the school shootings a little over a year ago. Um, and they did the same experience. Uh, they brought the, uh, some builders, um, had community members engage, uh, and, and then had it as a place of healing and storytelling. So sort of reclaiming the story and using the temple as a place to recreate stories. And so now we're, you know, we're taking that cultural experience, engaging with communities and going out beyond Black Rock City. The city is arranged sort of like a a horseshoe. If you come on Friday, I'm sure we'll show you a a slide which, uh, or a film which explains it. And then you've got the plier in the middle and then the Burning Man is sort of in the middle of the plier and the temple is laid out on the plier. But then there are, how many exhibits, Mike Marin, are there? Well, this year there'll be over 400. Exhibits that are around the plier. so and, and remarkable exhibits. And these are these are really self-made installations. Some people are famous artists um, that have been shown, you know, in New York and in London. Uh, we have people now coming from Ukraine, um, Romania. Um, but some of them are uh, your your average person, uh, carpenters, uh, engineers that have an idea. But I want I wanted to pick up on something you just said there because obviously originally starting on the beach and now having to fly to get there. Does that change the dynamic in any way in terms of the people? No, not fly. I mean, there are a few people. Who fly the majority right. of the people come in by car oh, okay. okay you know we're really proud of the fact that we have nearly all 50 u.s states um usually there's 45 to 50 and that's a lot um and then we have 20 uh, percent of the participants are from overseas which when i do the math because i'm kind of a little rain man like that it's usually at least 40 different countries and that kind of shifts um over time and it's not just european um it is japan it's china uh, south korea of course australia new zealand south america now we're seeing um, and so there's diversity, and uh, it's actually improved it. I would say that uh, the internet, uh, access to air travel, uh, the changes in global economy have made it so our population is more diverse, more interesting, more languages spoken. So what I wanted to ask then is, as the size grows and the popularity, and it attracts the attention of, of people like the gentleman sat next to you, is it inevitable? Is that a bad thing? <laughs> no. Well, uh, no. Where are you you'll, going you'll with this? You'll see where I'm going. You'll see where I'm. You'll see where I'm going. going I don't, I don't like the direction in which you're. No, 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 no. This is all. This is all marketing related. I want to ask: Is it inevitable that you're going to be approached by brands for commercial tie-ups? Oh, you know? wow. And in and in that being the case, no. does that challenge? <laughs> does that challenge your ethos? It doesn't challenge the ethos because we've. I mean, for the 20 plus years I've been part of this, the, my first major role was overseeing communications and, and publicity, so to speak. We, we don't really have to do proactive publicity. It takes care of itself. 
Uh, but for the very beginning, we've had brands that want to give away their product to Burning Man. We don't allow that at all. Um, we don't allow flowers to be passed out. We don't allow any camp to have the name of any product. Um, I found it very interesting here today. I walked into um, an open a, a, an area called Open Mic, and I found it interesting because it wasn't the name of a brand. Now, of course, there's a brand behind it, but that's not the first thing you saw, and that's to me very Burning Man. You you go to Burning Man, you want to unbrand yourself. Uh, people cover the logos on their trucks that might say U-Haul, um, and I, there's a photo I may show on Friday that says Buddha. So they're taking the letters and just creatively making it something. Uh, so you're 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 applauded for unbranding yourself, not wearing a T-shirt that says a brand. I, there's a reporter from the Washington Post that tells a story about how he turned his T-shirt inside out once he realized that people were laughing at him. <laughs> so you know the brands. Yes, we've been approached for sure. Um, very famous agencies. We've had Vogue asked to do a, a photo shoot, um, and it's not a challenge to say no. Uh, it is a challenge when the new influencer Instagram uh, culture wants to come to Burning Man and then tag the clothes that they're wearing. That, to me, is the biggest challenge we have. Okay. Well, talking of challenges, that leads nicely onto another question I've got. Um, obviously, attracting 70,000 or 80,000 people to the, the, the desert. What I wanted to ask was, was about the environmental issues that that brings. Now, obviously, doing a little bit of research for this, I read an article on Bloomberg.com, and it was titled Burning Man. And it's its own worst. It is its own worst enemy, and it went on to talk about the challenges to your own rules and beliefs that you face, uh, such as the one about leaving no trace, as well as focusing on issues. And, this, and there was a whole list like air pollution, noise pollution, public health uh, risks. The list went on. How do you respond to that? So that's a recent article. Um, directly uh, came out of the fact that we just applied for a 10-year permit um, from the U.S. government, and that required a environmental assessment that. In fact, it's called an EIS, an environmental impact study, and it took a year and a half. And we are required to actually look at all of those. So the question is, what is the air pollution? Um, what is the uh, effect on animals and on birds? Um, what is the economic effect on the locals? And uh, that was released actually just Friday the 14th. So that article came out before the publication, the permit was released. And, you know... For all, for the most part, for all of those, there was nothing largely negative that came from it. We are so very applauded for the fact that we have no garbage cans at Burning Man. That's something that anybody that produces any kind of event more than you know a couple of hundred people finds incomprehensible. The participants are expected to take everything away with them. It's really interesting this because the motto is leave no trace. Yeah, and they yeah. do leave no trace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the place is left in a spotless condition. That's incredible. Yeah, we're, we, we have an inspection process where the government um, does testing on little spots on this. Uh, you, there's a nine-mile fence around the city, um, and they do these random tests, and we walk, you know, four or five feet, uh, feet apart from each other, and we pick anything stray up we found. And we continue to, you know, make the grade. Uh, and it's only because it's not because we don't. If you've been to Glastonbury or any large festival, you know, every three or four hours, someone's coming and pulling the rubbish out of the rubbish bins. That doesn't happen. The participants, if you see a water bottle on the ground, you're somewhat appalled because there's nothing in the way and you pick it up. 
you don't even step over it. You just, you're like, oh, oops, someone must have, this must have fallen out of their backpack. Because nobody takes a glass of water or a cup of water and puts it on the ground and walks away. It's the culture, and that's an important part of it. It's a cultural expectation for the participants to behave in a particular way. Okay. Um, you talked about global interest. Is there plans to take it international? Would you ever move the location? So, uh, again, another interesting question as it talks about cultural. Um, and I really found it, it's been interesting being here and talking with Martin about, you know, the world and the globe and people and, and the change of of way people behave. We don't franchise it. We don't go into other areas. What we do do is encourage people that have experienced Burning Man to do something passionate from that experience on their own. And that might be creating art in your community, but it's also showing up as uh, 13,000 people in South Africa, uh, 300 people in China, uh, Japan, Argentina, of How course, many events do you get? we have 80 events around the world that range from a one-day uh, street fair where the participants figure out. Some of them have never gone to a, a, a municipality and gotten a permit for a street closure. So because Burning Man really teaches you how to engage civically, they go and they get a permit and they make a street closure and it might be just a block and the next year it's two blocks and the next year it's four blocks. And some are overnight events. The uh, Israel's is uh, six days, South Africa's six days, uh, China's is three days. So this is really a movement. Yeah. And, yeah. And so they're doing it on their own. And it's not a static event, you know, an eight day event with planned a month before and then everybody's gone. This has really developed into uh, a continuous set of programs and set of events around the world. And so, actually, on, on that note then, how, as, that, as Burning Man develops, how does that compare to, you know, going back to the metaphor that you were sort of talking about, how does that compare to the ad industry's development as well? Well, I haven't been to the 80 events that Marion <laughs> ref referenced, so I, I don't know. Uh, but the, the basic principles, I think, are the, are the same. The, what you're doing, I mean, it's tremendous human ingenuity. I mean, we haven't mentioned art cars, for example. You, mm -hmm. you can travel around the plier by foot. Mm -hmm. You can travel around by bike. You can you know, get somebody to put together, you make your own art car. I remember we had a, a, a Bedouin tent on a golf cart. That was your first art car. That was our first art car. And subsequently, we, we, we tend to go by bicycle because it's, it's a healthy thing to do. Um, but it, the, the our art car was pretty ingenious, but some of the stuff that you see, and then at the burn on the Saturday night, mm -hmm. it's rather like sort of around the campfire so you've got the man in the center and then all the art cars are around and i don't know how many art cars are how many roughly? we permit about 650 art cars so you can imagine now i remember one uh, last year uh which had that sort of kaleidoscope lift uh, where, with a sort of bubble on the top of it, where, I don't know how many people were allowed to go in it, but it was like a hydraulic lift that, that pushed the bu the bubble up with people inside it to watch the burn from about maybe 50, yep. 75 yep. feet. Yep. The, uh, yep. uh, high, and there was one that was a, a, a mock-up of a cathedral. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a huge, huge beautiful piece. Hu huge. Yeah. The, these are so these are like the size of of a London double-decker bus. Yep. And more. Some are on the chassis for buses. Yeah. Yep. And they're all around the burn. And then the burn itself is is be, is pretty impressive. A lot of fireworks That's as well. An, I mean, it's, it, uh, and that is another form of creativity that you actually can take out in the world. Some of these 
uh, they're not even floats. Some of them are still street legal. And so they'll go back in their communities and they'll use them as an opportunity to um, to have a block party, um, to do arts, to have an art and crafts fair. These are my favorite. My favorite art at Burning Man are the art cars because you can ride on them. They have It's a way to engage. You're holding on and you're bumping along and you're saying hello to your neighbor. You're listening to music. Someone might say, you know, put in your pod, give, give us your playlist. Um, you'll make new friends the next night. You're chasing down that car because you you know you love rabbits and it's a big rabbit. So you ride around in a unicorn or a rabbit. Uh, it's it's everything that moves, everything that you play with is artistic. You can't move a normal car. You you can't. You'll be ticketed. You get pulled over, and you know your car gets taken towed out somewhere. You're like no 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 no. I mean it's a, it's a mixture of um, sort of I mean bizarre to say the World Economic Forum, but Disneyland, Glastonbury. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a mixture of all these things um, thrown together. It's an extraordinary, and it's all based on human ingenuity. And and the the te the te I mean, I'm not an engineer, but the the technical stuff that is done, whether it's from an architectural point of view or an engineering point of view, is truly extraordinary. Well, listen, I genuinely am like fascinated Carnival, by it. It's like Carnival in Brazil right, as yeah. well. I mean, well, it's got the mixture of Carnival in it as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm con I, honestly, I could sit here and talk for ages, but I'm conscious of time, and I've been told that, that you're on a very tight uh, schedule. Yeah. So I just want to ask one very quick question, and that's um, just, I, I didn't feel I could do this interview without asking you about um, uh, S4 Capital, because you've just had your AGM, some yeah. very impressive numbers. So very quickly, what's the immediate plan for the next year at least? Uh, more of the same. <laughs> That's it's a clean enough. sheet of paper like it was last year and you know it's got got a little bit of momentum but we have to ma maintain the momentum so so uh, you know hopefully we'll come back every year maybe we'll do the podcast next year that would be lovely uh and uh we'll, we'll be able to report more progress you'll probably hear more stuff on friday okay all right, not big but interesting stuff on friday okay and we should uh, uh, coincident with me doing the session with Marion. Just so happens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Marion, let's uh, let's finish and, and uh, give you the final word. Chance for a plug, not not that by the sounds of it, you need any any. But um, as far as I've got this right, uh, taking place Sunday, August the twenty fifth to Monday, September the second in Black Rock. All tickets are sold out. Aren't well, I was yeah. going to say, if people want to find out more information, or is it just too late? <laughs> uh, it's it's year. pretty impossible to get a ticket for this year. Um, but, okay, but for next year, where do they need to go? Well, you would go to BurningMan.org. Okay. Um, but if, you know, matter where you are in the world uh, there are places and people doing Burning Man and there is an area on the website called the regionals area and people can um, get dialed in and go to a small event um, help with an art project and I promise they will have a, a flavor of Burning Man without having to get on an airplane and come to the States. That's fantastic. Um, well, listen, I was given a tight time. I've just looked at the clock and I've done it within one minute to go. So, um, no. <laughs> Marianne Goodall. Well, you're and the first person in advertising to actually <laughs> keep to the brief. There you go. <laughs> uh, Marianne Goodall and Sir Martin Sorrell, thank, thank you, you so much, much for joining thank us. Thank you very much. Very good. Yep. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. You're listening to the C-Suite Podcast. To listen to all previous shows in the series, you can either visit csuitepodcast.com, follow us on SoundCloud, or subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or in any one of your favorite podcast apps. Please do give us a positive rating and review when you do.
so that wraps up this live episode from the C-Suite podcast from Can Lions. Uh, so just a quick thank you to Eco for hosting us in their house of PR. Uh, don't forget you can listen to all previous shows of the series on the website at csuitepodcast.com and you can subscribe to the feed on the likes of iTunes, Spotify and all your favourite podcast apps just by searching for the C-Suite podcast. And please, if you do and you like what you heard, can you give us a positive rating and review as that helps us climb those business podcast charts. Uh, finally, if you'd like to get in touch with this show, you can do that via our contact form at csuitepodcast.com or you you can reach me via Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.